Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. I just want to say that beyond your uh, commitment of a million dollars for this purpose, beyond the, the uh, committing the, the, the profits from merchandise sales for the frontline uh, healthcare providers, but also the Pelotonia's community Posting the videos uh, of support for the frontline providers of healthcare was awesome. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. It's because of them in this dedicated community that all of this is possible. Welcome to this bonus episode of One Goal. Moments ago, you heard about our new website, pelotonia.org slash rise. This is an excellent way for our community to virtually come together during this unprecedented time. One of the resources on that website is a live streaming series called Pelotonia Live. Instead of our typical episode today, we're featuring one of those conversations as a bonus episode this season. The one you're about to hear is with Dr. David Cohn and Pelotonia President and CEO, Doug Ullman. Dr. Cohn is the Chief Medical Officer at the James Cancer Hospital and a Pelotonia rider. Not many can say that they have ridden in Pelotonia every year, but Dr. Cohn is a 12-year participant and a longtime supporter of our community and one goal. During this podcast, Dr. Cohn answers questions from our community about COVID-19, things that we can be doing to help, and a few of his favorite memories from Pelotonia weekend. We wanted to share this audio with you as a way to encourage you, provide accurate information, and let you know what is happening in Columbus, Ohio. As together, we rise during the coronavirus outbreak. So with that, here's our conversation with Dr. David Cohn. David, thanks again for joining us. We so appreciate your time. We know how busy you are given everything that's going on. And I wanna just start by asking you, like, how are you doing? How are you handling uh, sort of everything that, that you have on your plate right now? And, and, and how are you managing through? You know, it's really a surreal time for everybody across the world, across the country, in central Ohio, and obviously at the James as well. And so being in healthcare, it's really a unique opportunity to see this from the inside. Um, We're doing great here. And I think that that's a really important message is that um, right now we're in planning stage. We're caring for patients who have COVID. We're caring for patients who have cancer. We're caring for patients that have cancer and COVID, and all during this time, we're preparing for what the, you know, we're expecting for an increased number of individuals that come in over the next few weeks that are going to have uh, have COVID as well. So, we're hanging in here. Um, I think we're actually doing remarkably well overall, and it's great to have this lead time 
to do all the preparations that's going to keep our community safe. Do you mind giving everybody in the community just a little bit of insight into your role? I mean, you, obviously you are a gynecologic oncologist uh, by, by training, you're a scientist, but you're also the chief medical officer. What does that mean? And, and sort of how do you spend your days uh, ordinarily and also during this, this sort of time of, of pandemic? You can think about it that I see oversee the care that's delivered within the walls of the hospital, within our outpatient clinics as well, and in the community. So overseeing the physician practices, um, collaborating with our nursing leadership, our staff leadership, and our administrators as well. So it's just um, my days are generally spent um, setting strategy, uh, talking about what we can do to deliver the best care possible at the highest level of quality and the best outcome for our cancer patients. Um, that's one thing I do. The other thing is, you know, working with our community partners, Pelotonia being an incredibly important one. And so, so I don't forget to do it about a dozen times. Thank you, Doug and Pelotonia for everything that, that you all do to help, um, with our cancer research initiatives, because my other job is to collaborate with our scientists and make sure that our clinical mission, uh, helps to drive some of our research and that research circles back and drives uh, what we do clinically. Well, you do it really well, and, and having spent time at many cancer centers and across the country and around the world over the years, I can tell you that there is a, a feeling that you get at the Janes, and I think that starts at the top in terms of the, the way our physicians and the way the clinical teams uh, take care of patients and their families, and that's not something to be taken for granted or overlooked, and I'm sure at this time it's even uh, more critical. So thank you for everything that you do. You mentioned earlier that you feel prepared. And, and I think we all have come to realize that we live in a state and in a city that has taken some pretty dramatic actions early to uh, ensure that we do the best that we possibly can. And so can you talk a little bit about that preparation and sort of how you and the team have handled uh, the sort of new, not so normal that we're operating under right now? We have some period of time before, you know, what people talk about the surge, which is the large number of individuals that are going to be needing medical care uh, because of COVID-19. And so the longer that we have between today and when that surge happens, the larger the opportunity that we have to do all the preparations. And so for anyone who's, you know, accessed the news or listened and seen what's going on in New York, in Italy, as examples, you recognize that these healthcare systems have been overwhelmed. And the reason why that is probably is because that timeline between when they started preparations and when the surge happened was compressed. If a, sur if a surge looks like this with a lower peak, we're gonna have more time to respond in advance to make sure that we have all the medical facilities that are necessary to care for patients. And so the proactive steps that Mike DeWine, our governor in the state of Ohio has taken have been really, really important so that today the number of cases that we have is estimated to be about one-fifth of, of what it would have been had we not instituted these changes just a month ago. You won't uh, admit this, but you also happen to be a very talented cyclist um, who has participated in every single Pelotonia, uh, and we're appreciative of that. Um, you know, our community is filled with, with patients and survivors and family members and loved ones. What can you tell us about the care that continues to 
be given and provided to people with cancer today? I know there's been a lot of question about, you know, not having visitors and not having uh, the ability to have sort of more elective procedures. But, but I know you've told us that people who are diagnosed and who need care are still getting state-of-the-art cancer therapy during this time. Right. And um, yes, I deny being a, a, a cyclist of any quality, Doug. Um, I, uh, here's my take on, on how to approach the discussion about what care is being delivered to cancer patients. I think most importantly is that care that needs to happen is ongoing. And when you think about cancer patients, cancer care has to keep going because we've got the responsibility to our patients to maximize their survival, improve their quality of life. And so whenever we're thinking about what care looks like, we've got to ensure that we're in a position of guaranteeing that that type of care is ongoing. And so there's a lot of discussion in the news from the Surgeon General um, and from the governor in the state of Ohio and many states about canceling elective surgeries. And I think it's really important to know that cancer surgery, by and large, is not elective. Uh, Things that need to happen, happen. Uh, chemotherapy that is intended to cure patients of their cancer, to improve their quality of life, to diminish suffering. Those are things that still have to go on and they are going on. But in order to do that, we've got to make sure that we do it in a way that's responsible to our patients, responsible to their families and friends, responsible to our staff and responsible to the faculty that are delivering this care. So most hospitals uh, around the state and around the country have gone to a really, really hard position of accepting no visitors within the walls of the hospital, except for in really unique situations. Um, As it relates to cancer, for those individuals that are having really difficult conversations um, at the end of their life, there are visitors that have to be part of those conversations, and that's a very appropriate exception. Short of that, though, there's no visitors in our hospital because we want to make sure that those individuals that come into our system who may have COVID-19 are not infecting our staff, our faculty, and our patients. And likewise, at our outpatient facilities, we also have severely limited our visitors. Um, We're making sure for the same exact reason that we're not in a position where we're gonna have an unexpected infection that could limit the ability for our staff to take care of our patients or for our patients to become ill as well. And so we're trying to navigate a really narrow ledge. On one side, it's the outcomes of our patients, On the other side, it's the outcomes as it relates to COVID-19. And so we're walking that narrow line. I think we're doing it remarkably successfully at this point in time. It doesn't always feel good because to have to say to a family member that they can't be there with their loved one when they're in the hospital a couple days after a surgery or as they're admitted with a complication from cancer or cancer treatment, that's really challenging. And nobody wants to be in that position but this is our new reality, and this is the trade-off that we've decided to make to maximize that balance between our patient's outcome and their risk for a COVID-19 infection, and their being with their visitors, families, and friends as well. So not easy, uh, and we're all looking forward to the day that we can go back to our previously normal normal. Let me give you just one chance to uh, once again emphasize what each of us can be doing uh, today to help not only ourselves and our families, but to help uh, flatten the curve, so to speak. Hand sanitizer, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I think that most importantly, it is the principle of decreasing the risk for um, getting COVID-19 infection. Because the fewer individuals that have COVID-19, the fewer individuals that will subsequently get it from you, 
and then that chain will continue. So that's the flattening the curve, having fewer individuals in our community that get COVID-19. So wash your hands with soap and water. It's always around. If you don't have that, consider hand sanitizer for whenever you need it. Um, distancing. So the physical distancing is really, really important because if you're with your core family, you know, you know them, you've been with them through this entire process. Once you start to get individuals from outside of your core family in the mix, then there's the risk for transmitting infection. If they've been somewhere, they've been exposed, they may or may not have symptoms, you get infected, you give it to your family, they give it to others. And that just continues down the line until we have that, that peak that we don't want to have. If you're feeling ill, don't see other people, um, take care of yourself. Obviously, we need to shop, we need to eat, we need to do all these things, but do it as responsibly as you can. So if we all do our part, then our community is going to be healthy and then our cancer patients will be healthy, our staff, our faculty will be healthy, and we'll get through this a lot more quickly as well. Lots of things happening in cancer research, and obviously the Peloton Peloton community is so committed to that research. What can you tell us about what's going on now looking at cancer research and COVID-19, and is there any overlap or any sort of leads or projects that you're excited about on that front? There's a lot of things that that will improve the health of our community that result from innovation. And so whenever we talk about cancer research, we talk about these incredible innovators that are here at the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center and at the James. Um, We never thought that we would be in this position, but it allows us an opportunity to kind of think outside of what we typically do. And what we're recognizing now is that there are actually medications that are used for other purposes that might have efficacy or can help in the treatment of COVID-19. And so we're doing that research right now. We're looking at our currently available cancer drugs and seeing whether these could potentially be appropriate for the treatment of COVID-19 patients so that the chance of somebody who has COVID-19 doesn't end up with a severe complication as a result of it or even die as a result of it. So that's really exciting. Um, I would obviously mention, Doug, is that your leadership uh, in committing a million dollars of fundraising uh, from Pelotonia to COVID-19 and cancer research is really spectacular. So this is going to allow us an opportunity to really start to think about things just in this pandemic, but also to prevent future pandemics or to think about how to more effectively treat viral infections that may result, uh, that may occur in the future as well. And so thanks again for Pelotonia for leading that charge and committing those dollars for, uh, for COVID and cancer research. Well, happy to do it. And and this community, as you know, really well, wants to do anything and everything we can to support you and your colleagues. Um, You know, obviously, we also committed our merchandise sales to to support the staff. Um, We know you are working around the clock, and and I think we're all waiting uh, to help in any way. So don't ever hesitate to uh, let the Peloton community know what we can do. Um, quick last question, I promise, and then we'll get to the, the questions that everybody has. But uh, what's your favorite memory from Pelotonia? You obviously have ridden every year. Um, I've, I've seen signs with your name uh, on them thanking you for saving uh, a family member or a loved one, which must be emotional for you as you ride through the streets of, of Columbus and beyond. Uh, what, what's your best memory? You know, you, you brought up one of them already. And um over there in the corner of my office, you can't see it right now. I actually have the, the photo frame that said, Dr. Cohen, thank you for saving my life. And um, 
when I rode by that sign, it was like written, you know, basically in crayon on a piece of cardboard. It was one of the most poignant moments of realizing why I do what I do. Um, and so to recognize that um, the research that's being done here at the Comprehensive Cancer Center and at the James that actually impacts patients and helps to improve their outcomes, whether it's improving their quality of life, decreasing their suffering, or improving their survival is so critically important. Um, sometimes it helps to have that reminder of why we do it. And so that to me is really special. I just wanna say that beyond your uh, commitment of a million dollars for this purpose, beyond the, the uh, committing the, the, the profits from merchandise sales for the frontline uh, healthcare providers, but also the Pelotonius community Posting the videos uh, of support for the frontline providers of healthcare was awesome. And um, it was so special to wake up in the morning or to go to bed at night and to see the recognition that we were being provided. Um, it really, it helps us to do what we do day in and day out. So that was really appreciated from the entire Pelotonia community. Thank you for that. There's a question uh, from one of our community members about um, ibuprofen. And something that's been in the news reported is that ibuprofen uh, might uh, have some counter-interaction with COVID-19 or might make the situation worse. Anything you can share on that front? Yeah. Um, really early on in the information that was gleaned about COVID-19 was a really small study that was put out that said that ibuprofen, which is a type of a non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory medication, negatively impacted the outcomes from COVID-19. And it was thought that maybe it was because of some inflammation, anti-inflammation, some lung injury. Um, subsequent to that, that was shown to not be the case. And uh, so the answer to that question is there's no problem taking ibuprofen if that's something, or any non-steroidal medications, if that's a medication that you're able to take, that there's no other reasons why you shouldn't and that you need to take it. Um, there doesn't seem to be any adverse outcomes related to a risk of COVID-19 or a risk of complications from COVID-19. But it really does highlight the fact that the pace of information change has been staggering. So what we believe is fact one day can be fiction the next. And so one of the big challenges that we've had is making sure that we're referring to the sources of information that is truth. Um, the CDC, the Ohio Department of Health, uh, to me, are some local and national sources of truth to make sure that that information that you might have heard about, uh, just validate that first with a CDC website when it comes to what you can do to prevent yourself from getting COVID-19, what to think about in terms of symptoms or signs of COVID-19, and then also some of the myths uh, that we now recognize are not accurate about COVID-19 as well. That's great. Our, our good friend uh, Rich Moore from the Bay Area wants to know if there's any real correlation between COVID-19 and cancer. And I assume he's asking in terms of both the, the sort of risk and then also the treatment, uh, which yeah. you earlier. So, you know, this as a, as a provider of cancer care and as an administrator in a hospital, this is really an important component. And so it does seem that there is an increased risk for developing COVID-19 as a cancer patient. Um, what that translates to is just take care of yourselves. Everything that we talked about, hand washing, soap and water, hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol, uh, social distancing, and uh, making sure that you're well. These are really important things for anybody, but it's particularly important for cancer patients to minimize their chance 
for getting COVID-19. And when you say that it's, you know, anybody that's had cancer isn't necessarily at risk, but those that are currently undergoing cancer treatment whose immune systems are suppressed do seem to be at slightly higher risk for acquiring COVID-19. And so then when it comes to the cancer, um, the outcomes from COVID-19, how cancer affects that, there also does seem to be an impact where really small studies out of China have demonstrated that patients who have cancer do have a higher rate of complications from COVID-19 than counterparts that have a lower risk. And so it's not just cancer. It's any chronic condition that weakens immune systems, chronic lung diseases as well, solid organ transplant without cancer who are on immunosuppressant medications. There's this group of patients that have a higher risk of complications and cancer is amongst them. So another question we got from uh, Bud Abraham is, is really around our, our staff at the James and Martha Morehouse and the Spielman Center and the ambulatory centers. Are they receiving the same personal protective equipment as you know, the broader team at the Wexner Medical Center that might be specialized in infectious disease and sort of how are you taking care of the team? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is one of those other things that the data changes so quickly. Um, at this point in time, the Wexner Medical Center, uh, which includes the University Hospital, the Ross Hart Hospital, so on, the James and all of our ambulatory centers, we're following the exact same policy. And these are policies that are put forth by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. And so at this point in time, uh, if a patient interaction requires some type of personal protective equipment, whether that's a mask, a uh, face shield, gloves, a gown, that's consistent whether it's at the cancer outpatient center or whether it's within the hospital walls themselves and whether it's the James or not the James as well. So I think that we're all aligned together, um, following in the, in the footsteps that's recommended by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And we watch every day to see changes that may come up. Awesome, great to hear. Uh, Jim Coleman has a question, which I think applies to both patients, but also healthcare providers. You know, his question is, how can we help patients who feel isolated right now, who may not be surrounded by as many people and maybe uh, sort of uh, uh, quarantined in some respect? Um, any advice or guidance, both for the patient as well as the family and, and caregivers? Yeah, I got a lot of information from Ethan Zahn's Pelotonia Live uh, presentation last week. I mean, I was struck with his comments about what it was like as a cancer patient having received a bone marrow transplantation twice in that isolation, and then to be on Survivor and that isolation, and now to be quarantined um, or to be isolated with physical distancing where he lives. And so he provided us with a lot of really important guides about what we can do individually if we're at home, and I think it applies to cancer patients as well. So maintaining some type of a social interaction, and I think that in many ways the Social distancing is not the right term. I think physical distancing is really important. Social distancing, this is great social interaction right now. Okay. Um, the more we can do this, the better. We are in a really good spot here. Um, there's not panic in our hospitals. Um, we have this preparation time. And so appreciating where we are and appreciating the responsibility that we have to minimize the chance that that peak number is going to be, you know, it doesn't have to be as high as it otherwise would be. Um, think about that responsibility, go outside and enjoy it and, and do so safely. I think we're, we're in a great spot now and we'll continue to be so. I think this idea of, 
you know, physical distancing versus social distancing is so critical right now. And Peloton has always been about bringing people together. And while we can't gather physically right now, there are so many ways that we can engage with, with our family and loved ones. Uh, let me just end with this final question uh, before we wrap up. And I want to be respectful of your time because you have some very important things to, to manage. Um, but Kathleen asked, what can caregivers do that are caring currently for somebody who's in treatment because they are going to the grocery store, they're providing sort of a lot of support and they want to do so in a safe manner to make sure that they don't uh, uh, negatively impact their loved one. So that's a great question. And um, it's something that we hear on a regular basis as well. What can you do as a caregiver uh, of somebody who's at home, not in the hospital, uh, who needs to continue with their daily activities, but they're limited in their uh, in their ability to do so because of their cancer and their being careful. And I think that that actually answers the question, which is that whatever we can do to help our, our cancer community that's not in the hospital is really key. So check in on your neighbors, uh, say hello, you can bring them meals. Um, that's not a problem at all. You can help to shop for individuals. If you're a caregiver yourself, uh, be smart about it, which means wash your hands, before you go in there. I think that the important thing is that there's been a lot of talk about whether or not bringing things from the outside, whether it's carry out food or whether it's groceries into the house can carry the risk of contracting COVID-19. And it seems that the answer to that is no. Um, as long as you're doing the things that we just talked about, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer as well. So um, shopping for individuals who have cancer does not pose a risk. You don't have to leave your groceries or packages outside for a number of days, weeks, or hours, um, you can do your normal things. And as long as you're washing your hands and making sure that you're not contracting um, anything from the community, then uh, you're doing everything you can. But just maintaining that social contact um, with our cancer community to see what's necessary for them is really, really important. Pelotonia has been the recipient of so much tremendous generosity over so many years. And now's the time for us to all consider how we can support those who have supported us. And that starts with local restaurants and providers and businesses that have been so generous again over such a long period of time. So I'm, I'm, I wanna thank um, you, Dr. Cohen. I wanna thank everybody at the James. I hope you will convey to everyone you work with uh, our gratitude and appreciation both on the work you're doing to help people with cancer, but also uh, as it relates to COVID-19. And I wanna also thank our team uh, at Pelotonia who continue to go above and beyond. Um, we were able to open up our warehouse last week and donate uh, much of the supplies that we had stocked to more than 10 social service organizations. Um, obviously the merchandise, uh, the uh, profits that are being invested in the research fund and there's more to come, but now's the time for all of us to do anything and everything we can to support those in need. And uh, we're beyond grateful to be partners with you, David, and your whole team. And uh, that, that continues beyond uh, today's uh, chat. So thank you for taking the time and uh, we appreciate all that you're doing. It's my pleasure and truly the partnership is remarkable. Um, I appreciate everything that you've done for the cancer community specifically the patients at the James and certainly for the frontline caregivers at the James as well. It is truly appreciated. And um, we're here for you as a, as, a, as a healthcare community and we're in a great spot. So we look forward to continuing this partnership and um, we're, in a good, we're in a good place. That was the voice of Dr. David Cohn, the chief medical officer at the James Cancer Hospital and Pelotonia president and CEO, Doug Ullman. We hope you enjoyed learning more about COVID-19, 
how the staff is handling the pandemic, and what you can do to help. We're always grateful for Dr. Cohn's leadership at the James, as well as the rest of those who are on the front lines, especially during this unprecedented time brought on by the coronavirus. Without a doubt, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. But one thing is for sure, there's always a way to make a positive impact. We know that the Pelotonia community will continue to rise to the challenge. If you would like to learn about more opportunities to help those impacted by COVID-19, please visit our website, pelotonia.org rise, or click the link in the show notes. Before we continue, we want to thank our major funding partners, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, Peggy and Richard Santulli, and the American Electric Power Foundation. Here's a preview of the next episode of One Goal. He says, Dad, I haven't dreamed for a long time. That gives you hope to dream about your future and all things. He says, I haven't dreamed. I haven't dreamed anything, but this is the first time after he met Melissa, his, his, uh, his now wife. He says, I can dream. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. The first half of season two will be hosted by me, Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blower. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orange Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their amazing stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.